For a long time, I've been getting quite worked up about the fact that Sweden, say, population 10 million, or Denmark, population 6 million, or even all of Scandinavia, population 28 million, gets far more coverage in the media, and not only the Western media, than, say, countries around me here in Singapore. For example, Indonesia, population 280 million people, so that's 10 times Scandinavia. Or the Philippines, population 114 million. Vietnam, about 100 million. And even Thailand, population 70 million. And I could go on. And I ran a small experiment. I just scanned newspapers over several evenings, and that's English language and French language newspapers, from as many countries as I could in Europe, in North America, and in Latin America, to check how many times Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam, or Thailand, combined population of about 600 million, came up compared to the Scandinavian countries. And the result wasn't surprising. Scandinavia coverage beat them by about 5 to 1. And then if you add a tiny Estonia to that, and we're talking a country of 1.3 million people, then Estonia alone had more coverage than Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam, and Thailand combined. And that's not good, because we typically only hear about these countries when there is a disaster or some upheaval, and therefore our entire knowledge base and views about these countries are what they are, interrupted by, from time to time, beautiful pictures of touristic locations there. And that is simply not good enough. There is no world in which I should be reading about Estonia more than I should be reading about the 600 million people in Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam, and Thailand. And as those of you who tune into this podcast know very well, I'm just going to stick to my knitting, which is the environmental and climate aspects of things, without getting into the politics of this. And so I'm going to just do a series of podcasts where in each episode, I might give a relatively deep dive of 15, 20 minutes into some of the amazing climate and environmental progress in these countries, which isn't almost ever discussed in all these publications that apparently prefer to talk about Sweden. And in this episode, I'm going to start with China and its quite surprising environmental journey over the past couple of decades. Because it's not just Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam, and Thailand. It's every single Asian country. And so I thought, I'm just going to start with the biggest one. Welcome to episode 70 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy podcast with me, Asad Rizouk. I am so happy you're here. Thank you. (laughs) 
So, let's talk about China. For those of you who may not know, there is literally a war to clean up China's environment going on. And it all started when the Chinese saw the problem with their own eyes because the pollution from industrial activities combined with that from transport and seasonal weather just could not be missed anymore. So what did the Chinese do? Well, they protested in large numbers. In the 2010s, so a bit more than a decade ago, China routinely clocked 80,000, that's 80,000 environmental riots each year. And pretty quickly, it was clear that nothing less than the legitimacy of the Communist Party was at stake. And so the government had to act. It started restricting the number of high-polluting cars, high-polluting buses. It started heavily pushing electric buses and scooters. And it started periodically shutting down polluting industries such as steel. So China understood at that time the direction of travel, which is to stop burning coal and other fossil fuels. Now, of course, they're not there yet, but their direction of travel and their efforts are super transparent and clear. And what the Chinese people understood pretty quickly is that the enormous consumption of fossil fuels in the country had a high correlation with the high death toll from air pollution. So while air pollution kills one in 10 people in the West, it actually kills one in three people in China and India. Why? Well, it's not a coincidence that the world's most congested cities are those with the dirtiest air. For example, all of the top 15 most polluted cities in the world, all of them are in China and India. This turnaround started in China since at least 2005. Because in that year, 2005, so that's almost 20 years ago, 74,000 demonstrations were recorded, and these were up from about 10,000 a decade earlier, so in 1995. Then in 2016, so after 10 years of writing, there's a film called Plastic China which was released, and it was a genius of a movie. It documented the lives of two families who derived their income from recycling plastic waste imported from rich countries. The movie was blocked in China, but it went viral nonetheless, and soon afterwards the Chinese government had to ban the import of most foreign plastic waste. And that movie exacerbated the fury of China's citizens over stifling pollution and what did they do? They made their voices heard 
and they made their voices heard by going down on the street and demonstrating or protesting. And sometimes this spilled into all-out riots. And for at least a decade, cleaning up pollution became a top-level priority for the Communist Party because they were very scared of an erosion of support. So all the way back in 2013, so that's 10 years ago, China's president, Xi Jinping, promised to build an ecological civilization, his words. And five years later, in 2018, he unveiled a super agency to turn the tide on pollution. And that super agency's job is to curb greenhouse gas emissions, protect China's water from pollution, and delivering cleaner air, which is how an ordinary citizen in China can tell that the government is making a difference. And almost completely unknown, if you read English language media or French language media or pick a language in the West, is the fact that the work taking place to deliver on Xi Jinping's promise is absolutely enormous. And I'll give you just two or three data points. There's 80,000 environmental public interest cases brought by Chinese prosecutors across the country in 2020 alone, all of which were to enforce environmental regulations. 80,000 lawsuits, that is. By 2021, two years ago, China had trained 1,200 judges and prosecutors to implement these laws and lead on these lawsuits. And the Chinese wrote 16 environmental laws and regulations. And just a few days ago, China went further to strengthen the role of its courts in meeting its emissions targets by issuing its very first judicial document to encourage and guide cases handling emissions. So now you know there is literally a war against pollution going on in China and its scale is probably bigger or just as big as anywhere else in the world. There are so many things to say about environmental action in China, and I can't possibly cover them in the time that I have in one podcast episode. And so in this one, I want to give you another angle at which to look at what's going on in China on the environmental front. And that angle is forestry. China, like most countries, had pretty much destroyed the overwhelming majority of its forests by sometime in the middle of the 20th century. So in 1949, for example, just 8.6% of China was covered by forests. However, China has literally the largest reforestation program in the entire world by far. Every year, China reforests more than the rest of the world combined. Every year, year after year. They spend $10 billion a year 
and they have been spending that for 20 years on just that, reforesting China. And so, as a result, they managed to increase forest cover from that 8.6% of the country in 1949 all the way up to 23% in 2021, two years ago. And they continue to increase it each year with the goal of having 30% of China covered by forests by 2050. And they are planting forests, and by which I mean native trees, not forests that they're going to cut down for timber, on an absolutely dizzying scale. The countries planted an area as big as the Philippines or Finland in five years. And alone, China is responsible for 25% of the entire world's new forests since 2000, so over the past 23 years. And the numbers are mind-boggling. I mean, they've planted more than 80 billion trees. Can you even imagine 80 billion trees? I can't imagine 80 billion trees. So this ecological civilization slogan is actually incredibly serious as far as that country is concerned. Of course, this also extends to building, for example, their renewable energy capacity as fast as they possibly can, and that they are certainly doing. Just think about it this way. They install in one year, each year at the moment, more solar and wind than the UK's entire electricity capacity from all sources every year. And then again the next year, and then that number goes up again. But of course, they have not yet been able to turn the tide on their coal power, but watch them do it by 2030. And the reason for that is that China has pledged unconditionally to cut emissions to net zero by 2060, something it had never done before in decades of climate change negotiations. And to get there, there's basically no road that doesn't lead to a gradual decrease in the use of coal and gas and oil, which in the case of China, will begin to see from sometime between 2025 to 2030, so in three to eight years, because their emissions look like they have peaked. So China's emissions look like they have reached the highest level they will. So that was some news from China that you may or may not have known. In future episodes, I'm going to do the same about Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam, and Thailand to start. In each case, trying to make the point that enormously large countries with increasing sensitivity to sustainable development, rising GDP growth, rising incomes, rising prosperity, just don't seem to have enough of a voice in your typical newspaper, and that's a shame. Thank you so much for listening to this episode 70. Yep, that's 7-0. 
of the Angry Clean Energy Guy podcast with me, Asad Rizouk. If you like this podcast, you'll love my book, Out Everywhere Since 1st December, Saving the Planet Without the Bullshit. Thanks again and have a great couple of weeks.